This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to Money and Markets. Today is a momentous day, not just because we're doing a budget special, but also because it is the 150th episode of the podcast, which means that we have been talking to you and you guys have hopefully been listening for just over three years now. Um, So in order to celebrate, we're going to go into the nitty gritty detail of the budget um, and hopefully you will stick with us. So joining me today is Tom Sieber from Shares Magazine, who's going to pick apart all of the market's reaction to the budget. Uh, We also have Leith Calaf, who's going to delve into the economic data behind it and tell us all how the country is faring. And we have Tom Selby, who's been going through the budget documents with a fine tooth comb and also paying particular attention to the impact on pensioners. So let's start with Tom Siebert talking about the market's impact. How did they react after Rishi Sunak stood down from the dispatch box? So, I mean, obviously a lot of um, the, the diesel had been trailed in advance, but the the big winner on the day was fairly obvious, and it was the pub sector. So they benefited from two giveaways, I guess, from the Chancellor: a new draft relief, which means they'll get a five percent cut on duty um, on beer and cider sold in pubs, and they were also one of several industries to benefit from a fifty percent cut on business rates um, up to a maximum of hundred thousand pounds. So. You saw some fairly big moves from some of the pubs groups. Um, Weatherspoons was up about five or six percent. Mitchells and Butler um, was up about three, four percent. Marston's was up four or five percent as well. So they they were the big movers on the day. Um, <clears throat> there were some other kind of leisure businesses and hospitality businesses ma- managed kind of smaller moves. Sort of Jim Group, um, which is potentially one of the beneficiaries of the business rates relief, was up up a little bit. Um, in terms of kind of losers on the day, um, the banking sector sort of seemed to be the main one. Um, and that was despite the fact that this expected cut in the corporation tax surcharge came through. I guess the market was still kind of reacting to the fact that the tax burden for the banks was set to go up from 2023, even with with that cut. Um, it was slightly better news for the challenger banks, uh, the government giving them a bit of a leg up by boosting their surcharge allowance. And one savings bank was was sort of a notable stock that made some gains yesterday. House builders were up a bit, which I guess reflected the fact that they're always, you know, there was some slightly better news in terms of the economic outlook and they're always sort of a, a play on on the sort of domestic economy. Um, and also, you know, the government's still committed to, to encouraging lots of um, building of new homes and infrastructure spending. Um, and despite the fact that there was this, this kind of levy to do with cladding, it, it wasn't any worse than, than the market had expected. So, yeah, the house builders made some gains as well. I mean, in terms of the wider market reaction, it was relatively muted. I mean, the FTSE 100 didn't didn't move too far. Uh, the FTSE 250, which is obviously a bit more focused on the UK, was was up a bit. Um, so, yeah, it was overall, it was a fairly, fairly sort of muted reaction to the to the budget, but with the pubs really the big winners. Okay, so that sounds quite good. Quite fairly good for markets generally, but not yeah, overall rocky. kind of mild, mildly positive. With yeah, with the pubs, you know, really raising a glass to to Sunak, I guess. 
And so then while we're looking at that kind of bigger picture um, impact on the economy, Laith, do you want to just run through the kind of bigger picture economic spending stuff? Because not only it was it was a treat day, not only did we have a budget, we also had the spending review, which lays out a lot mm. of the UK's finances. Yeah, sort of a huge fiscal event, really. Um, and I guess the kind of main takeaway is just how kind of relentlessly positive um, everything was. Um, so we've got a huge increase in spending. Um, we've got some tax giveaways. And at the same time, borrowing going down. So three things that really shouldn't sit together actually all happening at the same time. Um, and there are a couple of reasons why the Chancellor's um, been able to kind of to do that. Um, one is that um, there was a huge, huge windfall that he had from upgraded economic assumptions. Um, so the, the Office for Budget Responsibility um, last um, sort of gave their economic ex- uh, assumptions in March. So if you remember what March was like, we were still in lockdown. We didn't really know if the vaccine program was going to work. And and, and so the, the, the projections were pretty gloomy compared to now when actually the OBR is saying that the economy is going to grow by over 6% this year and, and 6% next year. So that gave the Chancellor an extra £35 billion every year. Okay, that's a pretty so that's, good amount to find down the back of the sofa. It's not bad, is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose the, the, the thing to say about that is, you know, the kind of OBR giveth and the OBR taketh away. When we come back in March, they might downgrade um, some of their assumptions if the economy isn't doing quite as well as they expect. But I, I think just the scale of that increase is, is just ginormous. Um, and, 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 you know, it would take a a very big move in the opposite direction to wipe that out. So you've got 35 billion extra from 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 um, uh, from, from the OBR basically uh, from the forecasts, um, and then also another 15 billion pounds um, from tax rises that were not announced in the budget but have already been announced, and that is mainly the new health and social care levy, which uh, was. Um, uh, announced um, um, just over a month ago, um, and, and also the dividend tax that came along with that. So, you know, that's given the Chancellor or overall £50 billion a year to, to play with. Um, so, you know, that's why we've kind of got this this kind of honeymoon bu- budget where he's been able to kind of, you know, please absolutely everybody. So what he's done with that £50 billion, he's basically increased spending um, by £30 billion a year. So he's talking about how he believes in a smaller state, but actually he's actually at the same time increasing the size of the state, 30 billion a year in, in spending. You know, lots of comparisons with Gordon Brown, actually, in, in, in this morning's paper. But he has also exercised some um, some fiscal prudence in that he's taken 20 billion pounds a year um, to reduce um, borrowing um, as well. Um, so that that's your 50 billion. And then another thing, I mean, there have been some tax giveaways. So there was the universal credit taper, that's £2 billion. Uh, fuel, a freezing fuel allowance, that was £2 billion. Alcohol duties frozen, um, uh, that was £3 billion. And again, that was offset by something that's been previously announced. That was the the move to double lock rather than triple lock the state pension, which which kind of gave the Chancellor an extra £6 billion. So, you know, if you're being slightly cynical, you would say that actually this is a slow motion budget that's, that's kind of happened over a number of months. And actually, we got the bad news out of the way a long time ago, freeing up, you know, the kind of actual budget announcement um, to deliver nothing, nothing, um, nothing but, but good news. Now, 
um, you know, it, it you know there are there are some things in terms of kind of looking forward that are going to be um, problematic, um, not just because of this budget, but because of the previous one um, as well. Um, you know, the, the tax burden, and these are numbers from the o, the OBR, so independent numbers. The tax burden is going to be the highest since the nineteen fifties. Uh, when Clement Attlee was in power, that was the government that you know g- gave birth to the, the cradle to grave welfare state, um, built the NHS. Um, so you know, a really kind of um, a quite dramatic comparison there. Um, and you know, we're we're going to see tax rises coming in because of all the frozen allowances from earlier this year, and at the same time, inflation, and that is going to to create a squeeze on a lot of of people's incomes, um, particularly probably um, middle earners, um, who are going to find that actually, any wage increases that they get up are actually swallowed up by price increases and also also the the tax rises that were announced earlier this year. So Um, let's touch on inflation a minute, because I think that is quite important in light of some of the, the wage increases and giveaways announced. So the OBR said it now expects inflation to average about 4% over the next year, doesn't it? Now, considering we're at about 3% at the moment, presumably it's got to go up quite a bit to then average out at that 4%. Yeah, it will do. So if you look at what the OBR is saying, um, then we're looking at about kind of 4%. They did. I mean, they said that actually there's there's a high margin of error. It could creep up to 5%. So, so yes, it will. It, it is expected to go above four um, percent. What's quite interesting in the OBR forecasts is um, that they then do predict that it is going back down um, fairly rapidly. You know, after that increase, uh, you know, dropping off to, towards the back end of next year, and they they kind of produced that forecast based on interest rates rising next year so not this year interest rates rising next year um and actually you know we've 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 kind of got a lot of pressure being heaped um, on the on the bank of england at the moment to raise right rates this year and markets think we are going to get um a, a rate rise next year um so that's the kind of broad picture for for inflation and and we've obviously got that interest rate decision next week um uh, from the bank of england when we'll find out whether we are going to actually get um, uh, a rate increase because of, because of all the inflationary pressures. Excellent. So now we've set the scene of kind of markets, big economic stuff. Let's delve into the big announcements of the day. So I think the kind of boost to income for lower wage people was one of the big stories of the day. So um, there was a change to universal credit. They're changing the taper rate on it. So at the moment, um, for every extra pound you earn, if you're in work and on universal credit, for extra pound you earn, you lose 63p in the taper. Um, They're now changing that to be 55%, so 55p. Um, They're also increasing what's called the work allowance. So for certain people who are on universal credit, um, those looking after children or who have some disability or health problems, there's a certain amount that they can earn each week before they hit this taper point. Um, That's increasing by £500. So this is a 2.2 billion cost to the government. Um, Alongside that, previously before the day days before the budget, they'd announced that the national living wage is increasing. Now, obviously, this isn't a direct cost from the government. Um, This is something that employers will have to pay. But it means for those over the age of 23 on the living wage, um, 
they will now earn £9.50 an hour. So these are kind of positive stuff. Um, what else did you guys spot that you thought were the big announcements? Yeah, sure. So some of the some of the bits you you picked up there, maybe not not traditional um, areas for for a conservative government. So looking at welfare payments and um, and and minimum wages, but in terms of helping businesses, something that, that the conservatives would traditionally attach themselves to, there was a, there was a big focus on business rates. So Tom Tom Sieber touched on on one of the announcements earlier. So a uh, a one-year 50% discount in, in business rates for the hospitality, retail and leisure sectors. So obviously three sectors there that have been really badly hit by the pandemic and potentially sectors that are going to struggle as furlough's been, been pulled away and government support's been pulled away. So a pretty clear signal of intent from the government that it wants to try to reduce the costs of those particular sectors and provide additional support. So that that business tax cut will be worth almost £1.7 billion. Uh, a slightly technical one, but one that will be worth something to, to businesses as well is the the business rates multiplier. So to calculate business rates, you you multiply the, the rateable value of the property by the multiplier. So there are two different multipliers. One's 49.9p and one's 51.2p. 49.9p for, stand, for small businesses and the standard rate's 51.2p. They'll be kept the same, so they'll be frozen for 2022-23. So again, that's good news for for businesses that those two rates aren't going to be going up. Um, also, some specific reliefs um, that, frankly, I hadn't heard of before um, before you dig into the budget documents yesterday. So museum and galleries exhibition relief, orchestra tax relief. Apparently, you don't need to be an orchestra in order to qualify for orchestra tax relief, although I'm sure it does help. Um, Theatre tax relief uh, as well. All of those have been temporarily boosted for the next uh, 12 months, clearly with the aim of giving giving incentives and support to, um, to, to industries and groups who have been struggling really badly, I guess, during the, the, last, the last 18 months and are still probably going to struggle compared to how they were doing before the pandemic. And so the government feels they need a little extra boost in this way. And the question, of course, will be whether or not all this extra support and this cut in their costs will be enough to keep those businesses up and running um, over the next 12 months or so. And so, other Tom, what did you spot? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much an announcement, but kind of a hint, I guess, from the Chancellor in the fact that he made a point of saying that he'd written to the head of the Bank of England to say that um, or to, to remind them of the remit of keeping sort of inflation under control, um, which, I mean, you know, I don't think it's it's probably a bit of an open secret that, that with the rate rises on the way, but it, it showed that, you know, he didn't have any kind of um, problem with that. And, and certainly sort of his his views sort of chimed with the, the expectation that there will be a rate rise sooner rather than later. So I think the question now with interest rate rises is kind of when, isn't it? Whether it's yeah, when, um, definitely when, next month right? or, yeah. <laughs> Um, and Leith, what did you spot? Well, I suppose I mean the, the the kind of big package was the you know the huge there's going to be a huge amount more going into into kind of public services, particularly the NHS. Um, but probably on the tax side, it was you know the, the fuel duty freeze, um, which is obviously um, you know quite um, quite important right now uh, for motorists, given that petrol prices are are at record highs and. And actually, around fifty percent of the price uh, of of fuel is actually fuel uh, duty. So that's now been frozen for 
for the, the 12th um, consecutive year. It's a pretty costly measure. It costs around £8 billion. And I suppose if you're being critical, you would say, well, how does that really square with the government's green pledges, um, particularly with you know the COP26 um, conference around around the corner? Um, you know, actually, um, should should the chancellor be potentially taxing um, a motorist more? I don't think that would be particularly uh, welcome um, in 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 the in, in the current environment. But it's a discussion to be had. I suppose longer term, there's the issue of actually the chancellor needs to wean uh, the public finances off fuel duty because you know obviously there's going to be this big shift towards um, uh, electric vehicles. Um, so in a way, freezing it kind of gives you less of a problem in the future. But still, I think questions around the, the green credentials of the of the government um, by by kind of freezing it again. Yeah, it's the it's the twelfth year, isn't it, that it's been frozen, um, and I think lots of people were expecting it to be for that freeze to end this year, but um, just terrible timing, I guess, for the government in terms of the squeeze on living costs at the moment and the soaring price of petrol. That's right, yeah. And I guess if something's been frozen for 12 years, everybody expects that it's going to keep being frozen because actually, you know, it's... um... Um, you know, it's written into the budget numbers that it's going to go up, but actually, um, you know, expectations are now that it's frozen. So actually, if you if you increase it, it's um, it, it's not uh, it's not seen as um, oh okay, well we just didn't get that tax cut this year. It's actually you're raising taxes. Mm. And so then, Tom Selby, our pension guru, I felt like there wasn't that much for pensioners. There were, I'm not even sure there was a mention of pensioners, was there, in the budget yesterday? They'll be relieved, won't they, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact I haven't talked about pensions yet, yet shows uh, shows just how little there was um, for, for, for pensions in this budget. The, I think that, that's partly, as, as Laith said earlier, because some of the big stuff was announced before yesterday, so... Um, Leith mentioned the state pension triple lock being replaced with a, a double lock to inflation and 2.5%. So removing that that earnings element that had already been announced. So that means the state pension for 2022-23 will go up by 3.1% um, rather than the blockbuster 8.3% earnings figure that we saw in July. So that's going to save the government somewhere in the region of five and five to six billion pounds every year, because of course, future increases will be will be applied to a smaller state pension. So that's an annual saving they'll get from that move. But that had already been announced, as had the freeze in the lifetime allowance at just over a million pounds until the end of this parliament. Um, I think a few people probably quite disappointed that there weren't, wasn't any specific support for pensioners ahead of what's going to be a, a pretty grim winter for a lot of people. I suspect the government will say that there are existing support things in place, so things like the winter fuel payment and cold weather payment. But I, I did a, a, a BBC Radio London thing this morning and um, someone texted in asking whether or not uh, why the government had, hadn't come forward with any specific support to um, to help people pay their their fuel bills obviously lots of people uh, facing rising fuel costs at the moment but nothing in particular there there was one pensions nugget which on the face of it looked like good news but potentially isn't quite as good news as it as 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 as, you, as we may initially have have thought so um the the background to this is that people in what what who are automatically enrolled into what's called what's known as net pay pension schemes and um, those who are on low earnings so earning less than the personal allowance of £12,570 this year potentially miss out on pension tax relief because the way that the tax relief is 
given to them is that their their pension contributions are taken straight off their net pay. So their pay before they've paid tax. And so the idea is they'll get exactly the right amount of tax relief given to them immediately. Now that that works if you're paying 20% or 40% or 45% tax. It doesn't work if your marginal rate of income tax is 0%, as is the case for anybody, anybody who's earning below the personal allowance. So that's been a problem for a long period of time. Um, the government reckons just over a million, so 1.2 million of the, the lowest earners are missing out on just over 50 quid of pension tax relief each year as a result of this. The government had pledged to come up with a solution. So the Conservatives pledged in their manifesto to, to look at solutions to this. And they have devised a solution which will involve from 2024-25. So in a little, it's going to be in four years time before this is in place, HMRC um, paying people back the tax relief um, directly. Not clear whether that will be paid to them in cash or whether that will go into their pensions. We're still waiting for, for details on that. But people will need to get in touch with HMRC in order to get this money back from them. So HMRC will contact them. They'll ask for some details in order to pay the tax relief that they are owed. Now, clearly having some sort of solution in place to this is better than nothing. Uh, the real problem, the particular problem with this is that these are these are people at the very lowest end of the income spectrum who probably need the tax relief more than than anyone else. So that's why this has been 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 dubbed a scandal. Has been a real problem for for the government for a, for a number of years. Um, but the fact that it's going to require people to do something, so to engage with HMRC, is potentially going to reduce the the amount that people actually claim. And, and we had a quick look at the numbers that the government have put forward. So they say 1.2 million people will on average get £53 back. So multiply those numbers together. And this should be, if everybody took this up, costing the government about £64 million. If you go into the budget documents in year one of this being in place, they've budgeted paying people £10 million in pension tax relief. And in year two, £15 million. So it's, a good, it's good that there's a solution in place. But the government's own numbers suggest that take-up might be quite low amongst people who are affected. It's always interesting, isn't it, looking at what the government announces and then looking at what they've budgeted for it. And and then you see the kind of real impact of how many people are going to claim that particular tax break or, or you know, end up paying the particular tax. Um, so, yeah, it seems like that kind of friction there of someone actually having to apply for this rather than it automatically being given to them probably reduces it quite a lot. Particularly, I mean, it's always good to have any money, but if you're gonna, only going to make £50 or less than that out of it, um, then maybe that's not enough to nudge people towards claiming it. Yeah, I mean, hope that it'll be it'll be it'll be, it'll be down to the, the government and HMRC to to make sure that they get the they make it as easy as possible for people and get the communications right. Because as I suspect, obviously, it'll depend on uh, depend on each individual. But if you're if you're earning less than twelve thousand five hundred pounds, then fifty quid's probably going to be quite a lot of money to you. And so, um, if as long as the government makes it easy for people to do that and as automatic as it can possibly be, then hopefully the number of people who claim will be more than the what seems like the one in four that the government seems to be to be costing. And on, on the previous point about the kind of lack of specific support for pensioners, so we saw um, the, the double lock as it is now means that pensioner incomes are going to go up by just over 3%. Um, but if we're now expecting inflation to be about 4%, that's actually not even a, a real terms rise in their pay, is it? Yeah, yeah. So that's good, and then I suspect that's something that the government's going to have to deal with some quite negative headlines um, over the next uh, 
next weeks and months. Um, I, I believe the, the the decision on the triple lock is is going into the House of Lords now, and um, Baroness Altman and other other lords, I think, are going to push for for changes to the approach that the government's come up with. I think the, the one of the challenges, of course, is that because they've used the inflation figure to to September, as as you say, that's that's not going to be the peak of inflation, and it's not going to be the inflation that lots of people in retirement experience so as you as you say what what, what this will feel like to to people on a day-to-day basis will be a, a, a cut in the amount that their their state pension can can buy them and that's that's not ideal for for any government when you think of the propensity of, of older people in particular to to vote at general elections mm-hmm. and one thing that has generated good headlines which the government will be very pleased about is its reform to alcohol duty a lot of Prosecco and pub-based headlines today out there. Um, So this is the decision by the government to reform how the duty on alcohol is constructed. At the moment, um, there's kind of different rates for different products and there's not a cohesive system. Um, They say that they had to have this system to comply with EU rules. Now we're no longer in the EU. They can reform the system. And they're now going to bring in a tax based on how much alcohol is actually in the drink, um, which seems quite sensible to me. It means that it will be an easier to understand system. Um, And so they're creating different bands of alcohol percentages. Um, There'll be a different duty for each band. And it means that things like Prosecco and sparkling wine are going to be cheaper, but hard alcohol is going to get more expensive. So we're all going to have to switch to being lower alcohol <laughs> well, it might, Prosecco. It might not be popular in Scotland, that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they also announced, which I think um, Tom alluded to earlier, they announced uh, a discount for draft beer as well. So 3p a pint cheaper if you're having a pint in a pub rather than buying beer from the supermarket now obviously the big question is whether pubs decide to pass on that saving or whether they keep that for themselves um what's also interesting is this isn't coming in until uh 2023 so it's not a kind of immediate saving for pubs now to help them post pandemic um but more kind of a future thing to attempt to make pubs more attractive um guys do you think 3p off your pint would make you more likely to drink there i think i think for me um actually maybe kind of having some lower alcohol beers sort of stuff that you used to get that's under five percent would be good because every time i go to the pub now i just can't find a beer that's weak enough for me yeah you need a se- um, you need a session beer don't you like exactly yeah, yeah yeah two or three pints of two of percent that'll do me yeah. And it'll have lower duty now. So exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure three p on the pint's going to really, really move the dial for for me personally. Um, particularly as as, <laughs> as we touched on a few times already. Um, if inflation is going to be running at four percent or possibly higher than that, then the amount that you actually pay is probably going to still go up, even with that, even if that three p is is passed on to us. And, and frankly, at, at London beer prices as well, three p really is neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, And so I think it's important that this budget was quite odd in a way in that a lot of stuff was announced previously, either in the days previously or even in the months previously um, with the national insurance hike that we've talked about um, or the health and social care levy, as it's going to be called, um, was announced previously, but still will come into effect from April. And one of the other things um, that was announced previously is the freezing on all of a lot of kind of limits and allowances um, that was announced in the March budget, wasn't it, Leith? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so personal allowance and higher rate, rate tax uh, threshold were, were were frozen and they're frozen until twenty twenty six. And actually, um, that that is part of the reason why the kind of upgraded economic forecasts from the OBR have delivered so much to the Chancellor, because normally, you know, kind of inflation and a, and a booming economy um, would mean that those tax thresholds would normally be going up as well. Well, that's what the OBR would factor into their forecast. But because the Chancellor has frozen them um, for so long, um, actually, um, that means that he's basically reaping all the benefits of, of those uh, upgraded economic forecasts. And of course, that's good for the Chancellor. That's not particularly good for, you know, people who are actually paying um, those taxes, um, you know. And so the next the next five years, it's looking like there's just going to be this huge, huge amount of, of what's called fiscal drag, um, which is normally where people's earnings go up higher than inflation. And that means that kind of as they earn more, they pay more tax because the thresholds only go up with inflation. Well, now they're not even only going up with inflation. With inflation, They're not going up at all. So there's just going to be this huge kind of squeeze on people's incomes, which is just going to be sort of a gradually, it's going to be a pinch every year because it's just that bit more and you're earning a bit more. So you can probably, you know, kind of afford to pay a bit more, but it's still going to mean that, you know, as as the OBR says, we're going to get um, you know the highest tax burden since the 1950s, um, and so people obviously need to be alert to that and need to do all that they can in terms of tax planning. You know, using um, their tax shelters, using tax allowances to make sure um, that they're paying as little tax uh, as possible. It's interesting. I saw some figures from the IFS that kind of breaks down because obviously a lot of the headlines are around um, some people's wages increasing, for example. Um, They've broken down the combined impact of wages increasing, but also kind of inflation and tax rises and the new national insurance levy. Um, so if they if we look at the minimum wage increase, so it's a 6.6% increase, um, around half of that will get eaten up by inflation over the next year. So that means a real terms rise of about 3%. So still sounding okay. Um, but then after tax, that only becomes a 1.2% real increase in take-home pay for a full-time minimum wage worker. So it's interesting when we see the headline figure of 6.6% actually get eaten away and come out at just over a percent, which is, um, I mean, it's still better than nothing, but it's not great. Um, And their calculations, they also looked at the kind of average earner in the UK. Um, Over the next year, they're going to find that their pre-tax pay just about beats inflation. But once we've taken into account those frozen income tax bans, um, the new national insurance levy, their take-home pay is going to fall by about 1%, which works out about £180 a year in real terms. Um, So these frozen allowances are so important to focus on because they are kind of a, I mean, they're often described as a tax rise by the back door, aren't they, where um, people aren't aware of the impact of them. Yeah, and I think I think also I mean throw in the potential for mortgage interest rates to rise as well with the Bank of England looking looking to raise rates. Um, yeah, sorry sorry to be a bit gloomy, but it is going to be a picture of you know a fair uh, you know kind of a fair old pinch um, on consumers over over the next years uh, over the next next few years. Um, and I think there are probably some who will, who will kind of you know accuse the government of mission creep here because you know these tax rises were were introduced to help us get out of the pandemic. 
Um, and you know what the what the government does has done has has kind of yes they've kind of used they will be using some of that to pay for for services that come to the pandemic but they have been on a bit of a spending spree as well and there will be many people who say that that's absolutely necessary but when he brought these these kind of um, uh, uh, freezes in back in in March it was about um, paying down debt and he's using you know he's he is using money to pay down debt but he's he's spending an awful lot as well. So let's end on a brighter spot after being a bit gloomy. What did anyone spot any slightly weird and wonderful things in the details of the budget? One thing I spotted, which seemed to be an almost literal kind of flag waving exercise, was the um, tax break that's going to be afforded shipping firms, which fly what is called the red ensign, which is basically a red flag with a Union Jack on it. Um, and I, I actually thought it was one of the Chancellor's better gags, which a bit of a sort of tallest dwarf competition but he taunted Labour that at least <laughs> the red flags would still be flying somewhere even if they were all at sea wow that's what goes for humor in I the know. budget <laughs> um the weird thing that I spotted was a reduction in air passenger duty which is the which is the tax that you pay uh, when you fly they've reduced it for domestic flights um which feels odd when uh, we've got a big environmental summit coming up and they've also frozen fuel duty to give an extra incentive to fly within the UK. Um, I also looked at the details in terms of how much I think it's going to cost and it's got a £35 million cost attached to it. And if you look at the number of people that flew domestically in kind of pre-pandemic times, it was 23 million people. So it's a saving of £1.50 per person per time they fly, which doesn't really feel like a massive incentive. Thank you very much, everyone, for your analysis. Um, if you have any questions for us, then do send them in to podcast at ajbell.co.uk. And we will return to normal scheduling next week. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell or Shares Magazine. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor. Thank you.